Yes, so tonight, welcome back. Tonight, night seven. Um, it's been a long journey. It's been a long journey, but we have tonight and we have next week to go, and then that's it um, for I to us. I hope it's been a good um, experience for you. Um, so tonight, I'm excited about tonight's topic. Um, we're going to talk about having a healthy self-image. Um, and I'm sure thinking about, I'm sure in thinking about a group that was geared toward not thinking about I or me, but us and we, that you would get an identity um, component to this class. But if you really think about it, and we've kind of been sprinkling it in throughout the series, is that self-identity is actually a very important component. We've been talking about it all the way throughout about how you can't love your neighbor until you love yourself and you can't love your wife until you love yourself, right? You, and and the, the, the posture that you have to have toward yourself is really important. And so in order for you to have a, a, a really healthy relationship, you're gonna find that you're gonna have to make sure that you're good, that you're in a good place. Um, and because sometimes we can, and even when we looked at things like boundaries, you can't set boundaries with other people until you've set boundaries with yourself first, right? And so that's, that's the kind of premise that we're going to talk about tonight. So let's pray and ask God for his help. And we're going to talk about um, why it's important to have a healthy self-image um, in relationships. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for your son, for the finished work on the cross. Father, I pray that you would help us to be more like you. Um, in word, in deed, and the way that we connect with our neighbor. Um, God, we love you, and we thank you for all the things that you're going to do in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's start with the pastor hat, as always. I, I, I want you to get this, this theme kind of ingrained on the, on the tablets of your heart and in your mind, is the purpose of today is to be the best you for others, right? The best you for others. And so I want to talk tonight about how to do that. So from the pastor hat, in order for you to be the best you for others, you need to have healthy self-worth. Healthy self-worth. Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and 27 says this, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, and that's not King James, but we'll keep going, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female created he them. Let's look over at Psalm 139, 14. Well, we'll stop there for a second. I wanted to break this down. Uh, the word image, where it says here, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The word image translates to a shade, a phantom, of, or resemblance, or a representative figure. The word likeness translates to a resemblance to concretely model. So when we start talking about having a healthy self-worth, it's important to realize a few things. First, God made you after himself. God made you after himself. He made you to be a model of who he is. That's what the word Christian means. You might, you, how many, you might have been saved for a long time and you've been calling yourself a Christian, but the word Christian means Christ one or little Christ or Christ follower, right? So as we think about that, God made you after himself. He made you to be a model of who he is. He made you to represent him with your person, with your person. This, the Bible lets us know that, that creation 
gives glory to God. Creation honors and glorifies God. And guess who's a part of creation? You and I. But God took time in his word in, first, um, in Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. All right. Psalm 139.14. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. The word fearfully there means to morally revere. Wonderfully means with distinction to show a difference and to show marvelous and made separately. So when we look at this, I will praise thee for I am fearfully with reverence and wonderfully, uh, distinctively made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. What we see is that as a creation, God deserves to be revered. You and I testify of the goodness of God just with our lives. The Bible lets us know that God, that God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. Exhaling is, is, is a form of even giving glory to God it's with his breath. So God deserves to be revered. Who you are made by, who you are made for, and who you are made to be represents God and that is no small thing. God made you with distinction. He made you to not be like everyone else. He made you as a masterpiece. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God took his time on you. God took his time to make you into the person that he wanted you to be. I used to tell my youth group, we did a series called the hashtag series, the war against labels, right? And, and we were talking through identity and I made them, we started, we used one, Psalm 139 for the, as the theme verse for the whole series. And I remember telling, um, I had my, my class say this statement with me every, every week. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make junk. And so I start the class off and say, class, God doesn't make it. They'd scream, junk, right? And that doesn't mean that everyone views themselves as junk, right? But whenever I look in the mirror, do I see myself in all of my imperfections or do I see the Xavier that God fearfully and wonderfully made? When I think about the, the things that I want to do and the things that I want to be, am I, am I downcast on who I am and where I am? Or do I think about the fact that God created me to be who he wanted me to be with distinction, not to be like everyone else, like a masterpiece, and that my life, just by living, deserves to be revered. Why? Because who I am made by, who I am made for, and who I am made to represent is no small matter. That's why self-worth is so important. Do you have a healthy sense of self-worth, not because of what you think of you, but what God thinks of you? Someone said this, God thinks you're to die for. Literally. John 3.16. Right? So it's important for us to remember we have to have a, if we want to be able to have a, a good uh, self-image, we want to be able to, to carry ourselves well so that we can be the best versions of ourselves for others, we have to start by having a healthy self-worth. Next, we have to have a healthy self-love. We have to have a healthy self-love. I think it's interesting because as we've been talking through the series, we've been talking about how we have to be able to love ourselves in order to love our neighbor, right? Love yourself like how you have to love your wife. But what about loving yourself because God loved you first? Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. The word commend means to demonstrate. God demonstrated. And what, what is a demonstration? A demonstration for a model is to show you how it works. So God commended, God demonstrated that love for us, mirroring it for us, showing us how it's done, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, God demonstrating to you and I what love looks like how much he loves us, why he loves us. Ephesians chapter, well, uh, I skipped one, but Ephesians 5, verse 28 and 29. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, right? For no man ever yet hated his flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church, right? Mark 12, it says this, and the... The second is like this, namely this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So as we look at this, the whole point of this component was just for us to realize that the reason why we are worth loving is because Jesus thought that I was worth loving. Can we understand that? That's a big piece. That's a big piece because some of us don't love ourselves. I know that we don't like to talk about the term or the concept of loving yourself. Why? Because it can be egocentric or some people may think that it's, e that it's um, humanistic. But when I look at it in the context of scripture, where the way that I view myself is, is contingent upon the way that I can treat and engage with others, it shifts from a self-centeredness to a God-centeredness. Because I'm not thinking of myself more highly than I ought, right? I'm not trying to elevate myself. I'm not trying to be prideful. I'm not trying to uh, be arrogant or try to be boastful. What I'm trying to do is view myself the way that God views me. And God says that I'm loved. And so if God says that I'm loved, why would I not then love myself? I didn't say be an egomaniac. I said love myself because God loves me. I'm worth being loved. And some of us don't understand that, don't have that, don't claim that. And that's why we have a difficult time with the way that we carry ourselves through this life. I know where my worth is. We're going to talk about that in a little bit more here in a second. Because of how God ascribes his worth to me. I'm a royal priesthood. Are you? I'm a stranger and pilgrim of this world. Are you? I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Are you? See, the problem is we don't know what the word says about us. So we can't walk in the identity that God created for us because we don't even know what it is. You want to be the best you for others? You need healthy self-worth, healthy self-love, healthy self-perception. I want to park here for a second. Super excited about this point. Healthy self-perception. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The word new creature, the word creature there, check this out, means through the right of proprietorship of the manufacturer to fabricate or to form. Now, scripture lets us know that you and I are bought with the price, correct? The blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. We're bought with the blood of Christ, right? So now we belong to Jesus, right? Now I belong to Jesus. 
Jesus belongs to me. How many of us know that hymn? Not by the... Okay. That's my, that's my fundamental background. All right? Go ahead. New creature. Through the right of proprietorship of the manufacturer to fabricate or to form. So God says, I bought you with a price. I can do with you what I please. I bought you with a price. I can do with you what I, pre- what I please. And so when God made us a new creature, by his ownership of us, the right of the proprietorship of the manufacturer, he fabricated and formed us. Because he could do what he wants. It's interesting is that um, I had a, uh, the youth pastor that worked under me while I was pastoring in Orlando. I used to, I, I put, uh, I used to call him Android 29. 29 was his favorite number. But I called him Android 29. And you might say, why do you call him that? That's weird. The reason why is because um, Michael was his name. And so Michael, if you're hearing this, I love you, bud. All right. Uh, Michael is his name. And I didn't get to lead Michael to the Lord, but I got to disciple Michael. So for, I remember for, for seven straight months, we met at a Starbucks every single Friday and walked through discipleship. He was texting me every day what he's getting from his devotions. We're walking through life, through problem solving, through everything. And so we got to do life together. And I was privileged to disciple him and then train him up in ministry. And then by the time that I left, he was serving in a high capacity in ministry. I mean, my right arm. And this guy was right next to me doing, just doing the work of the Lord. And we were having um, a great time. And I called, him and I called him Android because I got to personally build him up into the kind of person that I needed to serve alongside me with ministry. Like he really, it was kind of weird how he kind of mirrored me in a lot of ways. But I got to disciple him so it makes sense. The person who, who you get to walk life with, you have a tendency to, to take on their personality in some areas, right? And... So he would, by the time we were done, uh, he was an absolute powerhouse for the, for the Lord, um, able to share the gospel, teach class, lead youth group. I, would, I trusted him to take over the pulpit while I was gone, like, and he was no Bible college. He just walking through life together, teaching him how to walk in the Lord. On a macro scale in Jesus, you and I are built up in Christ. He bought us with a price and formed us into the beings that he needed us to be for him, like little androids getting to fashion us. The Bible says know that he is the potter, right? I am the clay. He's molding me. He's making me. He's fashioning me. As he's, you and I are justified when we got saved, but sanctification is a lifelong process of the potter molding his clay, molding us to be more like Jesus. But then we go over to Romans chapter 12. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word conform means to fashion alike, to fit to a similar pattern. So God said, I don't want you to be conformed to this world, right? Don't be conformed. Don't fall into the pattern. Don't, don't fall into just being alike everyone else. But the word transform means to transfigure or to undergo metamorphosis. So we have to have a when we think about our perception, we have to make a mental shift into from who we were in Christ to who we are now. If I want to have good self-worth and good self-love and good self-perception, I can't see me in who I was in my sin-ridden slave. The Bible lets us know in Romans chapter 6 that you and I used to be slaves to sin. 
right? But now what happens? Now we are, our, members, our, our members and our bodies now reign in a, in a way that, that brings honor and glory to God by walking in life in righteousness. The old things are passed away. Behold, all those things become new. I'm not the old Xavier. I'm the new one. Right? I'm the new one. But it gets better. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The word received there, check this out, means not just to take, but to seize violently. But as many as received him violently, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. In studying for this, I realized that not only as as many of us received him violently, receiving him, not just taking, but, but seizing him violently, he then, it's almost like when a, there are some martial arts styles where they, they, they do redirection instead of striking or grappling. You understand that, right? When, what I mean by that is instead of trying to like punch, they'll just redirect your force and your energy to use it against you. And, it's, and when we look at this phrase, this passage, God, re, us receiving him, right, seizing him violently, he then takes that same power, that same energy, that same force, and, and demonstrates that in the power that we now have to become sons of God. God facilitated that same energy to, to violently distribute the power to his children. And it's credited to those that believe on his name. Huge deal. So we don't just seize God, receive him violently with, 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 with intentionality and with fervor, but he gives the power to us to become his children the very same way. Does that make sense? So what do we get from these verses? Some interesting takeaways, right? Is first, you and I are bought and rebuilt to bring glory to, to God with fervor. You and I are bought, right? We're bought with the price. But then what does he do, right? This is what we we're looking at in 2 Corinthians 5. He's a new creature, bought by Christ, right? With the, the proprietorship, the ownership he has now, he then buys us and he rebuilds us to bring him glory. We also see that we are now transfigured or metamorphosized daily to perform the will of God. That's what we get from Romans 12. And be not conformed to this world, right? Set apart to conform to the pattern, but to be transformed, to metamorphosize by the renewing of your mind. You and I get to daily, daily go through transfiguration. My favorite illustration of this is a, is a, a caterpillar going into a cocoon and coming out as a butterfly. It does not get to go back into the cocoon and go back to being a caterpillar. You and I are transformed. We have the opportunity to renew our mind, which was to redo, to remake, to refashion every day. A new transformation every day, which means that you have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to become a better version of you every single day. Every single day. Super important. But it's interesting that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Those things coupled with the fact that God violently empowers us to be his children, how can we be cast down when we start to view ourselves the way that God views us? I'm trying to, pay, I'm trying to paint a narrative for us tonight of 
we have to start looking at ourselves the way that God looks at us. I didn't even take the time to cover the fact that we are royalty as God's children, right? Strangers and pilgrims of God, as God's children, and that we're joint heirs with Jesus. And if you and I want to be better versions of ourselves for others, we have to start having a healthier view of ourselves. If, God, if what the word of God says is true, and we believe the word of God to be true, then the scripture says, then let every man be a liar. So if God calls me fearfully and wonderfully made and I look at myself in the mirror with disgust, who's the liar? God or me? I am. If I start tearing myself down when God says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, who's the liar? God or me? It's me. Every time. If God said it, he meant it, that settles it. But you and I have a tendency to use our experiences to paint a new narrative instead of walking in what God created us to be. Who God created us to be. Because check this out. If you're made in his image after, after his likeness and then you don't like yourself, well then ultimately you don't like God either because you're made to be a replica of him. See what I'm saying? Super important. We have to have a healthy perception of ourselves. Right? So the next thing we're going to talk about is having a healthy self-image. You want to be the best version of you for others? You need to have a healthy self-image. But let's talk really quickly about what self-image is not, what it does not mean. It doesn't mean arrogance or pride. I want to come back around and talk about that. I'm not saying be stuck up. I'm not saying, you know, have your head so high that if it rains, you'll drown. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying to carry yourself in an improper way or to be boastful or to be arrogant. We don't want to be prideful. Philippians 2.3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let, us each, let, us each, let each esteem others better than themselves. We don't want to live our life, do it in strife or contention or provocation. We don't want to do things in a way that glorifies self or is desirous that we come out on top. Our eyes should be fixed on the Lord and being who he wants us to be. I want to get that out of the way. Okay, but what self-image is? Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And because you are sons, God hath set forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Understanding that is so important. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I see, shall I know even as also I am known. You and I will stand before God one day with a full understanding of who we are in him. But for now, all we have is parts, fragments. So we're going to have to do everything that we can to lean on the word of God to walk through this, a healthy self-image in the way that God desired. All right, let's switch hats for a second. Real quick for your notes. You want to, have a, you want to be the best version of you for others? You have to have a healthy self-worth. You have to have a healthy self-love. You have to have a healthy self-perception. We talked a little bit about what a healthy self-image is not, right, which is arrogance or pride. But then healthy self-image. We've got to have a healthy self-image. Let's talk about the, past, the therapist hat now. Practical tips to have a better self-image. 
Number one, you got to develop self-awareness. You have to develop self-awareness. And what, that's what we were talking about already through the Bible and, and developing a self-awareness from God's perspective of who we are. Understand and accept yourself for who you are, including recognizing your strengths, your weaknesses, and your imperfections. No one is perfect and it is okay to have flaws. Being able to be aware of your strengths and of your weaknesses is going to help you to navigate life in a way that's congruent with where you are. But the problem is when we don't have a good self-awareness, we kind of just flail about trying to figure it out. It's important for you to get to know yourself, okay? A positive, positive self-talk. Pay attention to, the, to your inner dialogue. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if you want to think about, you think talking to yourself is weird? I think about in the Psalms, when David sat on his bed and he said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. Does that sound like positive self-talk to you? It does to me. Why are you cast down? Hope thou in God. Telling him to have a healthy perception of who God wanted him to be. Challenge and reframe those negative thoughts about yourself. Whatsoever things are true or honest or pure or lovely or be of good report of any praise, think on these things. Shifting your mindset, right? The Bible says we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual weakness in high places, right? But then we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, that, that um, the fight that we fight is not one of flesh, right? And he says, uh, now I'm drawing a blank on how it goes. Think Corinthians 10.4. For the weapons of our warfare are not, might, are not carnal, right? But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every thought, right? And all knowledge that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Having to have those talks that's like, hey, Xavier, is that your thinking or is that God's thinking? Is that the flesh thinking or is that the spirit's thinking? We have to have a good, positive self-talk. Because if I'm thinking terrible things about myself that is not true or honest or lovely or of good report or of any praise, that's the direct antithesis to that. So if we believe the word of God, then use the word of God. Okay? Set realistic goals. Establish achievable goals for yourself. Break them down into smaller, manageable steps. Someone said this, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. Break them down into manageable steps along the way. This can boost your self-esteem and self-worth. You know, um, we taught Rowan how to crawl using a Dorito. That's how we taught. And she was on her belly squirming. And I just, put, I didn't put the Dorito on the other side of the room. She would have been like, forget it. What I did was I put that Dorito just out of her reach. And she'd <clears throat> scoop, right? And right when she scooted up, I'd move it back a little bit. And she'd go and reach, and after I stopped traumatizing her for a little while, I gave her the Dorito. Well, actually, I don't think I did because babies shouldn't have Doritos. But she wanted it, so I used it. Sorry, Rowan. Right? But even when, we, when she learned how to walk, it was very, it was, I didn't, I didn't stand her up, right? Because most babies can pull themselves up first before they can walk and say, all right, Rowan, I'm on the other side of the room. Get over here. I stuck her out just far where she couldn't reach me. And so it was one step or two steps one step or two steps and one day i know i was in the kitchen and here she comes walking around the corner hello 
right? Sometimes we bite off more than we can chew. And even when I'm in, in therapy with my clients, I'm like, you're trying to make it to next week and you're thinking too far ahead. Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take thought for itself. Sufficient are the evils of today. You have enough to worry about. Life is but a vapor. It appears for, it appears for a moment and it vanishes away. You don't have time to think about next week. You focus on the mercies that were new for you today. Walk in that. Walk in the grace you got today. Live your life today. I'm not saying don't plan, but you plan and then you take it one day at a time. We have to start measuring our growth in small, achievable steps because one step becomes two steps, two become four, four become eight, and next thing you know, you look back and you're like, wow, I can't believe how far I've come. Small goals. Practice self-care. Take care of your physical, emotional, and mental well-being. This includes getting enough sleep, eating a balanced diet, exercising regularly, and managing stress through relaxation techniques. You know what's interesting is when I meet with my clients for the first time, one of the first questions I ask on their questionnaire is, when's the last time you saw your primary care uh, physician? When's the last time you got checked out, did some blood work? Sometimes the chemical changes that you're going through in your body is enough to elicit poor mental health. So you might be like right now, it's sad season, right? Seasonal affective disorder. All of my therapist friends are all talking about a spike in our, in our clients showing back up because the weather's changing. So for some of those people, they're just, they're vitamin D deficient. And just getting a little bit of vitamin D and getting a little bit more sunlight helps them to feel a lot better, okay? but you have to figure out what practical self-care looks like for you. Accept your body. Accept your body. The body says this, that your body is a temple. Temple of the Holy Spirit, and it's not even yours anymore. It belongs to the Lord. Recognize that your body is unique in comparison to others, is, and in comparison to others is not a helpful thing. Focus on being healthy rather than trying to conform to unrealistic beauty standards. Social media is a lie. Don't pay attention to it. It's a lie. They're all photoshopped and airbrushed and taken supplements. <laughs> Careful. We can look over at the other side of the fence and say, man, they look like this or they carry themselves like this or they have. And there's a whole slew of reasons for the reasons why like, our, our bodies do what they do. But it's going to be important for you to um, practice a healthy lifestyle. But at the same time, Realize that your body is yours and that you're going to have to um, accept it the way that, look, I'm a skinny guy. Do I look like I'm 172 pounds? You're going to be like, you? Soaking wet? No way. But I am. I'm an ectomorph. I'm naturally skinny. Even at 185 pounds, I still looked like I was skinny. I, I couldn't do much about it. But on the other hand, I have friends who are endomorphs, and if they even look at a fruit snack, they gain 20 pounds, right? So everyone's body type is different. You want to have a better self-image, you have to have a better view of yourself. It's already up there, but surround yourself with positive influences. No more negative Nancys. Some of y'all are hanging around people. And check this out. The Bible says that uh, iron sharpeneth iron, right? So a man sharpened the countenance of his friends. But on the other side of the spectrum, the scriptures also say, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. The Bible says the tongue is a little member. But it can do a lot of damage. It's full of unruly poison. It's a raging fire. It's, it has a lot of power. Be careful about the negative Nancys that you're hanging around in your life that are making you have a negative self-image. If your friends aren't positive, ditch them. That's just it. Confront them first, right? 
say, hey, you're kind of negative. Can you quit? But if they persist and it's wearing on you, go. Surround yourself with positive influences. Here at our lovely church, there's plenty of positive people to get to know. Number seven, develop your skills and interests. Develop your skills and interests. Pursue your passions and hobbies. The more you excel in the areas that interest you, the more confident and proud you will feel. Check this out. This is not true for all of my clients, but two things are usually very true for most of my clients. You ready for this? The first thing that's usually true, not always, is that they have a poor, self, uh, a, a poor support system. Poor support system. The second thing that's, that's true most of the times, but not all the time, is that they don't have many hobbies. They don't know what they like, they don't know what they're interested in. And those two things create a beautiful cocktail of misery sometimes. Because those are two massive components of your self-care system. Can you understand that? I said it before that one of the biggest things I think that rivals therapy is a good social support system. Having good friends, good confidants, people that you can rely on, talk to, relate to, but also having things that help you to feel better and feel recharged and feel refocused. A lot of people come into therapy and don't have either of those things. And that's a big part of the problem sometimes. Develop your skills and interests. All right. Um, eighth is focus on personal growth. Embrace the idea of continuous self-improvement. Learn from your experiences and, self and mistakes and use them as opportunities to grow and develop as a person. Last week I was telling you about that old friend of mine from college, my chapel buddy, um, and how every time she went through a difficult season, she would use that time to learn a new skill or a new habit or a new hobby, um, and she was constantly growing in those dark times. Those are the best times to gain from new experiences and, and, and grow. And the last thing that I have for us tonight is to be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. I've said it so much, I should trademark it. <laughs> All of my clients have heard it at least 50,000 times. Be nice to you. Be nice to her. Be nice to him. Right? And so it's important to make sure that you do that. Treat yourself with the same kindness and compassion that you would offer to a friend. I've had that as an assignment for some of my clients before where I've said, I want you to write a letter to yourself the way that you would have written it to a friend if they had your very same problem. Because the truth is, we wouldn't talk to our friends the way that we talk to ourselves sometimes. The way that we berate ourselves and tear ourselves down and say all kinds of unkind things to, to our friends. We, if, if you were talking to a friend who was feeling anxious, you wouldn't say, hey, shut up and get over it. You'd, you'd, you'd work yourself to help, you'd work to help them feel better, to, to work through it. So I'm not sure how the, 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 the closest and loudest voices in our lives, ourselves, can be, what is it? You are your own worst critic. You can omit that, your own worst enemy, which is so sad. Because if anyone knows us, it's us. If anyone can understand what we're going through, it's us. So how come we can't be our biggest support system? Our biggest support system. You have to be kind to yourself. Avoid self-criticism, harsh judgments, self-deprecation. Be careful about those things. Be careful about them. So as we get ready to wrap up, it's important to remember some important things. That from a spiritual perspective, we have to view ourselves how God views us. I want you to go home with this list that you just created from your handout 
And I want you to look at it and see how many of these things you have not been doing well. How many of these things are you slipping in? How's your self-worth? How's the way that you love yourself? How is the way that you build yourself up through your self-image? How do you do with that? And then the nine tips that I gave you for practical self-image building, how are you doing with those? And check this out. If just one of those things are missing, it's enough to put a massive gaping hole in the way that you view yourself. Have you realized that through this series, that that has happened a lot? Where I've given you a bunch of things that are not only working in tandem, but they work in conjunction? Like when we're talking about an intimacy, how your, uh, your mental and your emotional and your physical and your physiological and your spiritual and existential. And if you miss any of those things, it can be a big rift in your intimacy because we are multifaceted beings, multi-layered be beings. God, again, God didn't make junk. He took his time to make you and fashion you into the man and to the woman that he wanted you to be, which means that you're going to come with layers. All of those layers are going to need attention. And some of us so desperately want to be, have good, healthy relationships with others. But the truth of the matter is, many of us don't have good, healthy relationships with ourselves. And if you can't have a good, healthy relationship with yourself, there is no way you're going to be able to have healthy relationships with others. No way. No way. There's no way you're going to be able to be a good communicator. No way you're going to have good boundaries. No way you're going to have good conflict resolution. No way you're going to be able to say, I'm sorry, and pursue restoration. There's no way you're going to be able to build intimacy. There's no way you're going to be able to have good rapport building with other people if you don't have a good self-image. It's important. I worked really hard the last seven weeks to just drown you in tools. And nothing is foolproof. But it's going to be important for you to make sure that you add as many strands to your cord as possible, right? A threefold cord cannot be quickly broken. I can break one pencil pretty easily, but breaking 15 pencils is very hard. Add those strands to your cord. When we come back next week, we're going to wrap this series up with the L word, all right? And we're going to take 1 Corinthians 13 and we are going to dissect that bad boy. Dissect it. I mean, verse by verse, exegetical study. Be ready. Get your, uh, get your scholar hats on. We're going to really tear it up. Because love is a multifaceted thing. And it exists in several forms, right? We have agape, which is God's love, that sacrificial love. We have storge, right? We have phileo, we have porneia, we have eros. There's a lots of different versions of it. We have to make sure that we're walking and abiding in the one that God has used for us and expects us to demonstrate toward others. So we're going to wrap up next week. We're talking about how God loves us and then how we can love others. Okay, let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you again just for your complete word. God, how you demonstrate intimacy toward us on how you took your time to fashion your word to be those instructions for us on how to live a life that honors and glorifies you, not just in our service, but in our perception of things. God, I pray that we would work on being the best version of ourselves so that we can honor and glorify you with our lives. For many of us, we've just gone through a confirmation and we don't need that. You want us to walk through a transformation. You want us to be metamorphosized 
to live and walk and talk and like your son, to walk in the light as he is in the light. God, help us to become more like you with the power of your spirit. God, we're going to give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray and we're thankful. Amen.